separate songs to the lesson. I appreciate that. And Brother Joe, for his always very thoughtful prayers, uh, he, he is, he is uh, definitely good with his prayer life, and it shows when he does it publicly. And I appreciate men like Joe being such a great example. So um, thank you, first of all, to the elders uh, for allowing me to speak to you this afternoon. Uh, in the absence of Joel, and uh, we have several people to remember in our prayers as they're traveling. The Danley's on vacation, the Abel's on vacation, and uh, of course Corey and the kids will be coming back tomorrow from Lexington, Virginia, uh, traveling back after her uncle's funeral. Uh, so I uh, ask that you keep them in your prayers. You know, we, uh, we look around and we look at this congregation and we see many people that are great examples to other people, don't we? We see many people that we can consider our friends as well as our brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's really what I want to talk about this afternoon, to try to take some practical lessons from God's Word and things that I've learned as I've gone through uh, life to share with you about how we can be better friends and how we can be better examples to one another. My topic for the Saudi Youth Truth uh, June edition was to show me how to be an example. And I will tell you that um, although I try to be a good example all the time, I, I fail sometimes. And I think all of us, if we're being honest with ourselves, can realize that we fail sometimes in being the proper examples to those around us, even our brothers and sisters in Christ. Why do we fail? Because we're human. And we're going to sin and we're going to fail. But it's important for us to learn from mistakes that we make and move forward and become better because of the mistakes and things and failures that we have in our lives. So I wrote this article, and I don't even know that the youth have, has seen the article yet because Heath was not able to be here this morning. Uh, I did not get to tell uh, Brother Robert before the announcements this morning that Hope, which I believe is Lisa's niece, had emergency surgery this morning, and Heath was not able to be here because uh, Lisa had to be with Hope. So uh, remember to keep Hope in your prayers um, as well. So um, I, like I said, I don't think the youth has even seen this article, but I'm going to uh, talk about a few things in reference to it. Uh, Memo called me to the side at lunch and wanted me to tell uh, Catherine and uh, James about Papaw. And uh, I, I don't know uh, how many of you knew my, my grandfather, Owen Lawson. I know the Levi's did and, and uh, maybe the Williamson's and, and some others here. Uh, he, was a, he was a special man. He was, a, he was a precious man, a meek man, a sweet man. And I always said, if he doesn't make it to heaven, I don't stand a chance. Um, because he was just a, that kind of man. Got up early in the morning and studied his Bible, but one of the things he told me many times, and, and even before the Lion King came out, by the way, uh, some might attribute the, the saying, remember who you are, to, uh, to uh, Simba's father telling him and looking at the stars and telling him remember who he is, and he was, he was trying to give kind of the meaning that he was going to be king one day. But when Papaw said remember who you are, it, had, um, it was a simple saying, but it was much more complex than that. And what it meant to me and what he meant it to mean was that first and foremost, you're a Christian. 
you're to act as a Christian. You're to be a Christian every day, every hour, every second. And in being a Christian, our deeds, words, and actions must be such that we represent Christianity, that we represent Christ in all that we do in our lives. It didn't mean a lot to me, and I didn't have a complete understanding when Papal told me to remember who I am, but I have a whole lot more understanding of that now. You wear the name proudly and with humility. You treat others like you want to be treated. Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12, we call the golden rule. You give respect and you let your actions and speech be such that you represent a Christian well. I like Paul's message to the church at Colossae in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 17 where he said, And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. That's how a Christian is to behave, how we're supposed to act. No matter where we are, no matter what our company is, no matter what our audience is, we are to conduct ourselves as a Christian. I think I've shared with you many times that uh, Life Force, we, uh, one of the very first speeches we give is life in the blue suit. And we talk about how that you represent something bigger than yourself. Well, you know, that's important to represent your employer or some, somebody that's built a reputation before you've come. But the most important thing that we as Christians have to represent is Christ. Amen. So we have to do that in a way that we're the proper examples to one another in word and in speech. Sums it up pretty well, doesn't it? When you get out into the world as a young adult and you begin making your own decisions, you'll understand the meaning of it even more. Remember who you are. You represent something bigger than yourself. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 the Bible tells us, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good and necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. I wrote an abid, um, a, a paraphrase, if you will, so that I could try to make our young people understand exactly what that verse means. And this is what I wrote. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. Let no communication come out of your mouth, but what is helpful, good, beneficial, useful for edification, that is, building one another up, that it may impart grace or may be a benefit to the hearers. That's what Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 is really saying, that what we say should be a benefit to the hearers. So that means that we have to choose our words very wisely. Do we always do that? I would say we don't. And I know I don't. I try. And uh, I appreciate God's grace in the sense that uh, although sometimes I may not say what I should say at the right time, maybe later on I'll, it'll dawn on me and I may call someone and say, you know, I hope you didn't take that the way that it may have sounded. This is what I meant. So our speech should be such that it is clean enough for God to hear. Clean enough for God to hear. I notice in the world, 
more and more television shows, more and more movies, more and more things like to use words that are not appropriate for the Christian to use. Our speech needs to be such that it represents Christ well and that God can hear it and thus not be embarrassed by it. That should make you really think about what you say, right? I would be embarrassed if I were some individuals in the world and unfortunately sometimes in the church to use such language that's not becoming of a Christian because it is embarrassment to God. And we don't hold him in high esteem when we do that. Brother Bill Greer says, a sermon is better seen than heard. It's better seen than heard. We, as being proper examples to one another and to those around us, see what kind of individual we are. We can convict people by our actions, by things we do, and by things we don't do. The things that we do should be positive and in a Christian manner. The things we don't do should be those things that we avoid because we wear the name Christian. In Psalms chapter 119, beginning in verse 57 through 64, You are my portion, O Lord. I said that I would keep your words. I entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. I thought about my ways and turned my feet to your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay. I kept your commandments. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight I will rise to give thanks to you because of your righteous judgments. I am a companion of all who fear you. And of those who keep your precepts. The earth, O Lord, is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes. Go back to verse 63. I am a companion to all who fear you. Another word that we use very commonly today would be the word friend. I am a friend of all who fear you who fear who who fear God we should be friends of those who fear God and their actions speak louder than words how do we know that someone's following God well they do the things that God wants them to do solely based on his word not based off of creeds or teachings of men but off the word of God you can tell much about a person by the friends that he keeps Perhaps someone would say, but wait a minute, I'm my own person. Well, perhaps you are. But birds of a feather flock together, don't they? We need to surround ourselves with good individuals that will make us look as if though we really are a Christian and wearing that name very proudly. You can't choose your family. But, you, but the people you choose to be your companions or your friends tell others what kind of individual you are and what things might be most important to you in your life. The value of true friends can be seen in the Old Testament. In 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 1, 
Jonathan and David there. Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. That's how, brethren, we are to treat one another. We are to love one another with the knit of our souls. How do we do that? We build our relationships with one another. We're intertwined and looking for the same goal of making it to heaven one day to the very best of our ability. In Ruth and Naomi, in Ruth chapter 1, beginning in verse 16, but Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you, for wherever you go, I will go, and wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and much more also, if anything but death parts you and me. That is a friendship. That is knitting together. That is how we as Christians are supposed to be. Knit together, strengthening one another, if you will. Having God as your friend is the best thing you can obtain in life. Amen? In Second Chronicles chapter 20, if I can get it to go there, it tells us that Abraham was the friend of God. Even repeated in James chapter 2 and verse 23, where it tells us Abraham was the friend of God. Why did he get the title of friend of God? He had a relationship with God, didn't he? He had a relationship with God that he was looking to God for the answers that he needed in life to be the best friend he could be, not only to God, but to those around him. In Exodus chapter uh, 33 and verse 11, we also see that Moses was a friend of God in Exodus 33 and verse 11. So one of the things we can say as a friend is a, a, a true friend is permanent, aren't they? No matter what ups and downs we may have in our lives, maybe even disagreements that we have, a true friend is permanent. One that we can truly say is a friend that will love us despite ourselves, despite our actions, and help us to be a better person overall. In Proverbs chapter, 20, or chapter 17 and verse 17, it says, A friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. True friendship lasts through difficulties. Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 will tell us, um, that technology is great when it works. Um, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now, they're talking about the physical brother, biological brother, but, but let's think about that in relationship to friends as Christian brothers and sisters in Christ. Are we friends? Are we depending on one another? How about the example of God in Joshua 1 and verse 15? God to Joshua, I will not forsake you or fail you. God made a commitment to us as well to be our friend, to not forsake us, to not fail us, to be there for us. And he does that each and every day. Sometimes we fail to see that, don't we? 
God's love for us will last longer than the hills, Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 10. Friends are mutually beneficial. That means if if Gabe needs something, I'm there for Gabe. If I need something, Gabe's there for me. We're mutually beneficial. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone you might call a friend who it's give, 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 give all the time and they're taking, 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 but they're never giving you anything back in relationship to your friendship? I've, I've been in situations like that where they take and take and take and take and take until you have nothing left to give. Sometimes those relationships are not very healthy for you to stay in and you need to reevaluate those people who you're calling friends. Our greatest friend, though, of any friend is Jesus. Our greatest friend is Jesus, who, not thinking of himself, laid down his own life for his friends. John 15 and verse 13. Jesus is our friend. He is a friend who sticks by us no matter what, realizes that we're going to fail at things, but is there to help us along the way. And his example certainly is there to help us along the way. To have friends, you must be a friend. As Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 24 says, a man who has friends must himself be what? Friendly. Have you ever met someone that's not very friendly, that didn't wanna, you didn't want to really associate with and be around? Well, hopefully those are never your brothers and sisters in Christ. We want to be around our friends. We want to be encouraged by our friends. We want to have that mutual benefit of being friends with individuals. Don't leave your friends behind. Proverbs 27 and verse 17. You know, I think the military says this, and they'll leave no man behind. I say leave no Christian behind. We need to be there for one another. As friends, you must be careful who you claim as a friend. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, it tells us that evil companions, or evil friends, if you will, will corrupt our good morals. One of the things I talk about is uh, show me how to be an example in, in this is talking about good, firm foundations from Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27 and we sing the song build your house on a rock and when the bad times come when the wind blows when it rains when things are going rough that foundation will stand firm but if you build your house on the sand the rain will come and the floods will come and beat on that house and it will fall and great will be its fall it's not just a kid's song folks it's a perfect example for us as Christians to build our morals and our foundation on God's word. Not on the mere teachings of man. <coughs> you hang around ugly people, you'll learn their ways. Proverbs chapter 22 verses 24 and 25. You hang around good people that are honest, that are loving, that are Christian. That'll be good for your life and benefit you greatly. Evil must always be resisted. 
it must be such that we stay completely away from it. Are there situations in life where you can't completely remove yourself from the situation? There probably is. That's when our faith is tested and we can be strong having a good foundation. In Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 10 and also verse 15, don't be enticed and don't consent to evil, but search out good. In Psalms chapter 141 and verse 4, don't eat the delicacies of the wicked. What does it mean there? Don't participate in the things of the world that they're participating in because it will get you in trouble and separate you from God. Some, sometimes having God for your friend makes it hard to have friends in the world, doesn't it? Because we are a peculiar people, we're different. We're pilgrims in a strange land. And sometimes people might look at us and say, look at them, they're different. You know, we were talking in the young adult class this morning about how when we're teenagers in the, in the high school, we want to be like everybody else. We don't want to be different. We, wanna, we want to fit in with the, with the crowd. And I'll tell you, that's not an important thing to do. As we become young adults and even middle-aged adults, we realize that being different is a good thing, isn't it? Especially when it's in relationship to our relationship with God. Be different. Be good. Be moral. Stay away from wicked. And be the proper example to one another. In Psalms chapter 31 and verse 11, everyone leaves... This world does not follow God and does not understand his gentle ways. Job, too, experienced rejection from his friends during his trials. In Job chapter 19 and verse 19, it said his friends abhorred him. They thought him repulsive. Have you ever had your friends think of you as a friend and being repulsive? I would sure hope not. Pick for yourselves good companions, good friends, good people to hang out with, if you will. In Psalms chapter 119 and verse 63, a companion to all who fear God and keeps his laws. That's what we as Christians need to be doing. In Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 20, walk with the wise and it will rub off on you. Therefore, the opposite is if we walk with those who aren't wise, it will rub off on us. You ever been in a house where the walls are painted and you don't want to rub up against it in your good clothes? Huh? And you've done it anyway, right? Don't get too close to people who are evil because they will rub off on you. Back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33. Bad company, bad com companions, bad friends will corrupt good morals. In 1 John chapter 1, verses 6 and 7, there are friends waiting with common belief, and we need to be with them. In 1 John chapter 1, beginning in verse 6, it says, If we say we have fellowship with him, that is, we're a friend of God, right? We're a friend of Jesus. And walk in darkness, 
we lie and do not practice the truth. People see right through us when we do things like that, don't they? But if we walk in the light, as he, that is Christ, is in the light, we have fellowship, we have companionship, we have friendship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Amen? That we all can say, as Paul, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 3. We must be the proper example to one another. And we must be good friends. Friends are there even when they disagree with you. But they're there to comfort you, to strengthen you, and to help you get back on the path. They are mutually beneficial. We have a friend in Jesus one who sacrificed himself by allowing himself to be hung on a cross so that he who was sinlessly perfect could shed blood for all of those who have lived and ever will live for the sins of all mankind so that we may be found clean, spotless before God on judgment day. There may be some here this afternoon who have never become a Christian, who have never obeyed the, the gospel plan of salvation, uh, hearing the word of God. That hearing produces faith in God, faith that the Bible is what it says it is, and it can do the things that it says it can do. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Repent of your sins, stop sinning on purpose. Have that change of mind for the times of ignorance, that is not knowing God overlooked, but now commands everyone, everywhere to repent. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30. We're to confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be buried in a watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. Perhaps you're a Christian and you've fallen away or you need the prayers and thoughts of your brothers and sisters in Christ. Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 says that we're to remain faithful unto death to receive the crown of life. Are you faithful? If you have a need to respond to the Lord's invitation, whatever your need may be, we offer you an invitation to come forward now as together we stand and as we sing. There's a